The Boiled Sports Handsome Hour is sponsored by Martin Vintage. Visit martinvintage.com for an excellent selection of Purdue apparel. Enter Boiled at checkout for 15% off your entire order. And by AJ's on Vine Street in West Lafayette. For the best on-campus selection of burgers, comfort food, draft beers, and TVs to monitor all the action, visit AJ's. EatAJ's.com. Welcome to uh, Purdue Basketball Beat. I believe, is this the first one? This is the second one of the new year. This is, uh, I, to me, we've been doing this uh, twice a week uh, for the last 10 years, and none of you guys have joined us. I don't know what's wrong with you people. Uh, we've uh, been trying. I want to clarify something for the four people that are, are watching. Um, what Anish means when he says that is that he's printed out pictures of That's the rest of the Boiled Sports crew and right. has taped them on dolls. I don't want to get into it because it's just weird in his room and then he hosts this podcast the mic's not plugged into anything that's right and then he complains to us about our participation that's right by the way justin is here hey hey jay money how are you oh great response beautiful 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 uh boiler dowd how are you doing it's great see see it's not insane things are fine it works it's funny yeah, things are things are great so uh yeah well welcome it this is though is this the second one or is this the first one that we this got? is the first one uh since um i think the last one that we did previewed uh, a certain sweet 16 game so who knows who knows we haven't done this in a while <laughs> we haven't done it in a while and you know what to all to everyone who might try to make fun of us for that i say listen you get what you pay for. You get, and... you, you get what you pay us for. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, Cheers. Uh, to to uh, you know a very stressful uh, you know Purdue win. As always, it's always great. It's always great when things are this stressful. And actually, that's not fair because the last couple games have been boring, if not very pretty blowouts. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. the stress level has mostly been like, ah, Purdue can play a lot better than this. What's going on? Do you think they look tired? Do they look tired. Well, you're you're oh, for, oh, you're, oh, 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 the uh, uh, the internet at uh, uh, Michael's Ranch has uh, you know has lapsed. His satellite so, dishes, his satellite dish internet is not going going well. What's up? You're back. I'm back. Did I freeze out there for a second? Yeah, you're, yeah, you yeah, you're good. Days? You had a great question. You at least very much you looked like you had a great question. My question was. Did they look tired to you? I, you know, I was tired from watching so many games uh, so uh, so quickly. So I assume that they were tired too. Um, like, yeah. The only way that I notice is when Zach has these dips, which is kind of crazy because the biggest question going in was like, you know, is Zach does Zach Eady have the conditioning for this year? And you don't, I don't typically notice when it dips, but you know, like there was that around the 10 minute mark, you know, uh, in the second half when Zach was like, yeah, no, we're done. Like I'm, I'm done playing around. And he went kind of back up to his normal production level. So because like, I only notice when he comes swings back up, mm -hmm. like 
it, it wasn't noticeable, but when you see those swings, that's when you know, huh, it's it's dipped a little bit. That's strange. Um, that's, a lot yeah. of these bunnies weren't going in. A lot of, I mean, like, what, 20% three-point shooting? 20 uh, less than that um, today? Yeah. That's bad. Off, started off pretty good and then really just started throwing up some bad shots. I think I didn't quite notice it as much with Edie as I did the other players yeah. on the team. I think when you get to the point and Purdue definitely experienced this in the second half where you're making crappy passes and you're sort of ba- trying to bail yourself out with like that sort of, that to me is in that, that's an indicator that you're kind of, you're not firing on all. On yeah. all, on all there was good. All. There were good looks today though. Right. So getting lots of good looks, like, you know, a lot like Caleb first for the most part, I, I was very happy with kind of making like, I love his baseline cuts. I love his off ball cuts. He's making himself available. Zach hits him every time. Um, kind of on the offensive glass, he does well. But a lot of those baby buckets didn't go in, right? About like three or four of those, which is six to eight points that just weren't on the board, just really easy ones. Um, Braden Smith has been wonderful. Again, we're only talking about the game today, and then we'll kind of pivot to the rest of the season. Braden Smith, I would say, did not like had reverted back to one of those kind of freshman uh, second halves that he has had. Um he had a, a few really nice alley-oop, like, you know, attempts uh, with Zach, like, you know, drive and oop kind of things, draw the help. But, man, he just, um, there were times when he had either a clear opportunity or, you know, you know, at the at the very end of the game, yeah. there were two minutes left. Like, he was going for the layup, but like you said, he was probably a little tired, didn't have that extra boost in his legs, and yeah. short-armed the, the layup, right? As opposed to, that's the kind of time in the game when offense isn't on going on all cylinders, Purdue just needs to bleed out the clock. That 30 seconds bleeding off the clock is a lot more valuable than the attempt. Right. And the attempt missed. And all of a sudden you neither scored nor, you know, wasted 30 seconds. And these are the kind of things where it's like you, you expect freshmen to hit a wall and he's not hitting a wall, but these are, this is the price you pay. Like these are the tiny little, you know, mistakes that, um, that are there that maybe fatigue, um, you know, is, is the reason for it. Right. So something interesting. So Purdue finished the game two of 13 from three after starting two of three. So they hit two of their first three threes. This was at like the 10 minute mark, 1030, something like that. And then didn't hit another three for the rest of the game. It seems bad. That is hard. You know, I mean, I think that um, there's, it's hard to win a game. If you don't hit a three for three shots, you got to You got to hit shots. So sometimes when I, when I see stuff like this though, I feel more encouraged than discouraged because it's like, Hey man, this is a team that has shown that it's can find a way uniquely to go after, um, uh, and get a win. So, you know, I mean, get in the mud. Right. Like, you, you know, these are the type of like these are the type of in the mud games that you want to see Purdue win. You know, like it is very much a I think a lot of these guys have learned like, you know, a lot of these guys are while it's a you know, we called this we've called this a young team. But mm-hmm. these are these are outside of the backcourt. These are experienced players. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I, you know, um, you like and 
also it's just the demeanor of Zach is where everybody seems to draw their um you know draw the energy from and Zach has never I don't think I've seen an instance this year where Zach has been mad or out of control or like not just calm and steady right and yeah. that's a huge difference like or I mean that's a huge difference not you know we always want to make the comparison to last year no center has been like this for Purdue. Like no centerpiece has been like that, like this steady, this calm, this reliable. You know, what was Zach's, do you have Zach's line from today? I do. He had a pretty, I mean, he was 33 minutes, 24 points, 16 rebounds. <laughs> but Pedestrian. five, but interestingly enough, five turnovers, which yeah, he's been which is. solid this year in making great choices and, you know, these all came on passes that he probably should, at least the ones that I remember, that at least he shouldn't have made. Especially in the second half where, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's the heat. He's usually so good at it. And this is also where, you know, credit Trevion Williams. This is probably where he took a lot of kind of inspiration from that post up cross court to the weak side corner three point shooter pass. Or Not quite as bad as, as Trey with the skip pass. And, Trey and loved skip pass. He loved a skip pass and Zach has gotten really good at it. But today in the second half, man, a lot of those he was he just missed seeing the Maryland defender just right in, you know, the Maryland wing just right in the path of it leads to a fast break opportunity, leads to free throws for an easy layup. Right. And that, um, that's the other thing, like uh, with I think it was eight turnovers in the second half, something like that. I felt like all of them led to either a layup or foul or a, a foul in the act of shooting. I mean, this wasn't these were bad, like backcourt turnovers for the most part i mean maryland would get the ball and they'd be two on one one on zero and these are not outside of the morton absolute hammer of a block followed by a inexplicable call by the refs that gave purdue the ball i mean morton had the ball and then stepped out of bounds and somehow that's Purdue's ball. i don't know how that works but um you know those turnovers were absolutely killer yeah i mean and so a lot of people were saying like so, bringing up Paul S's your comment here, like pressure and the inability uh, to fight it rushed a lot of bad shots. Do you think this was the pressure? Because I actually don't like. I know a lot of people are saying it was the you know ten minutes into the game is when Maryland started to switch to the full court press, and that's when a lot of turnovers happened. That's when kind of a lot of this kind of disorganized things happened. I I have seen Purdue flustered by the press. And I don't think this was, I think this was just like shots weren't going, like a few bunnies weren't going down. And even half, like even when they broke it, the half court sets were just a little bit, um, you know, lagging, which to your point may be the, the fatigue thing, three or four, whatever, four games in eight days or something like that. Four games in 10 days. Is that what it is? And so like, four that's, games in like yeah, nine days. I, so yeah. I think that the, the press, the only person who I saw really affected by the press was Lawyer, who made a couple weird choices in like dribbling backwards. Which is rare. Which is where he also should have been called for an eight seconds at one point, but barely got it over. Okay. But I think it, actually what the pressure he, that got to Purdue. Well, yeah, he he didn't get it over, by the way. I was I was yelling. Nobody was calling it. There were 20 I mean, seconds left called, on the. Yeah. There were 20 seconds left on the yeah, shot clock. I know, it's I know. Like, it was real bad. These refs were awful. But what I think the pressure that affected Purdue the most was not the full court pressure, but I think it was, and the announcers actually made a point of this, which is Maryland was switching zone man to man 
kind of frequently, more frequently than you would you would expect. And you have to, Purdue wasn't doing a great job of adjusting to that. Yeah, and maybe if a couple extra seconds are taken off the shot clock because you're having a little bit of a time getting the ball over half court, maybe that throws the rhythm off. They didn't, they didn't look like they were really in rhythm. And then when you don't hit a three for three quarters of the game. It seems like that's an issue. I mean, you know, um, there are more people, I mean, pretty much everybody, you know, was in on this, you know, the, the threes being an issue, but um, you know, when man, like, I feel bad saying this because Brandon Newman had, I think a good game outside of this. He's had a good stretch outside of this stretch of games outside of this, where he's using his length really well. He's coming off the bench. He's playing with energy. Um, You know, he, I am not concerned with, you know, his happiness or anything like that. Like he seems to really like playing here. Same thing. Ethan Morton, like he's the, he starts because he's Purdue's best defender. He's easily Purdue's best wing defender. He's got such length strength. He can be thrown on anybody one through four, like, and can handle it really well. If one of them had a, you know, David Jenkins, same thing. David Jenkins is so smart. He is like 27 years old and he has the frame of, of like of like an adult. Yeah, and... I'm surprised he's not out there with like goggles and knee pads. Yeah. <laughs> so like all of them defensively are really good. And none of them have like all three of them have struggled to have a consistent three point shoot, a three point shot it's this been year. Interesting with Morton because I know he can shoot. All but... three of them, I think they can. I mean, well, like yeah. but like you know, but, Gillis, but... Gillis too. We were talking about this on the sidebar. Like Gillis was a forty percent three point shooter last year, and because you know, to your point on the chat, because his shots selection, you know, might, mm-hmm. or his available shots might be different this year. Yeah. You know, he's you know his it's it's sub thirty. I think this year they weren't running any action for him last year. His job was to leak out to the three point line, catch and shoot, rather than having some action on the court to free him. I think that. Purdue has to find a way to get opportunities for these guys to shoot. I said Morton took at least two shots that were, Hey, I got to get this up before the shot clock expires shots. And that's not putting someone like that in a position to build confidence or be successful. So you got to credit Maryland. Maryland leaned into their advantages. Reese had just an incredible game, just played out of his mind and they, they, they played tough. And you know, guess what? Like, even if it's a home game, even if against if it's against a Maryland team that's really not had a great go of it lately, like you're gonna you're gonna struggle. Nineteen and one is great, but there's no perfect. This isn't, you know, that Kentucky team of a few years ago where where some of the more. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have some. You're gonna have to. You're gonna struggle even in nights where you win. I mean, college basketball is a meat grinder this year, man. I mean, like there are even the top tier, you know, if you count Kansas, like Kansas just got waxed at home, right? Mm. Um, Which doesn't happen, right? Uh, You know, Houston has been really good. Alabama has been good. Purdue has been good. But like, there's no juggernaut here. Um, In the Big Ten, Purdue's clearly the best team, but that doesn't mean that Purdue is is perfect, right? So, um, yeah, there are a lot of causes for concern, but it's not con- like um, it's not uh, a reason to panic because Purdue has you know all of these. But I think this team has the ability to weather the storm, which is really good. Um, I think there was a there was a quote here. I think Boilerman had a um, pulled one from Painter's press conference. 
which is if they're not going to call it, then we have to play through it better, right? Which gives us an opportunity uh, to yeah. talk about, again, we're not, this is not the fault of the refs. Like this stretch of a little, meaning this stretch of bad Purdue offense, probably oh, sure. the last yeah. five yeah. games, is not the ref's fault. So Purdue should be able to play through it better. However, there is a crisis of refereeing when it comes yeah. to the Big Ten. Um, we'll focus on Big Ten football or Big Ten basketball, but Big That's Ten football, is, <laughs> but the Big Ten football is not much further along, right? Like there is no, uh, there's no coordinating official for Big Ten refereeing. And Boiler Dowd makes this point excellently on every quick guess that he does. It is, I don't think that it is, he talks about it as the Big Ten wanting, like actively wanting this style of basketball. I don't think so. I think they don't care. Yeah. And so when it gets dragged down into the mud, you know, there's no, there's no, you know, prevailing things. The NBA had this problem about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And now, if you and they, you know, tweak the rules, train the refs, and now, you know, the worst offense in the NBA is averaging one point one points per possession. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to get like nerd out on how insane that is, but one point one points per time you touch the ball is nuts. And yeah. so the the NBA has the ability to read and react. Right? There are it. The basketball is not in other conferences. Um, in college basketball is not refereed this way. However, the big 10 loves a brawl. Like, and so the, the, the teams, and if the refs aren't given the mandate to change that, the teams will drag these games into the mud. And then once national stage comes along, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you get called, like you're in the double bonus with 10 minutes, 12 minutes left in the game. It's playing the same style. So I actually think that, I mean, while I don't disagree with what you're saying there, I don't think that, I think the, the an issue that's just like on that level of problematic is, is consistency. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily that they are always calling it as a rock fight and therefore they always get a rock fight. There was a period in the first half where Maryland was hugging, pulling, elbowing, pushing Edie around and those calls were being made. And then like a switch flips, I'm not sure where the switch is, who's in control of the switch or whether it's on like a timer, but then like nothing. And then you, you get nothing for a while and it's kind of like, okay, how are you expecting these teams to, play if you're going to call it a rock fight call it a rock fight if you're going to leave it open leave it open but you but what is what's up with this this calling it one way for the first eight minutes and then for the remaining 12 of the half calling it a different way if you i'm i love that you brought up the nba because one thing that the nba did when it came to officiating is that they hired a bunch of new refs there were a lot of OG refs hanging around the NBA who were down there for the 90s. They hired, they went out, and they they spent a lot of money, and they hired a bunch of new refs, and they trained them the way that they wanted them. And on the other side, they took the old refs who they liked and moved them into that kind of off the – who yeah. are still – you know, yeah. but who probably shouldn't be on the court and put them in that off the court, like, you know, viewing things from a bird's eye view and yeah. – like where bat like talking about where basketball needs to go. Um yeah. this is but the Big Ten doesn't even have anybody in like doesn't have a go-to person to talk to 
when it comes to a basketball referee. So it's like, like football has this, but basketball doesn't, which is why all of these teams want to bring it down into the mud and nothing. There's no counterweight to get it out. Um, Cause that's the best way to win. Like to, the best way to yeah. counter a talent disparity is to make the game gross. Right. It gives you a chance. It's and the, I don't even know. mid major like, way of, pl- of playing, right? Mm-hmm. You drag the game into the mud and then you have Ali for Oakmanesh hitting, you know, going lights out from three. This is, this is the mid major, you know, tournament. Wait a, wait a, dude, I will <laughs> that's the first time Ali. his name has been uttered in how many dude, years? Dude, I will, t- I will talk. I think about that Ali for Oakmanesh shot like once a week, man. I it's remember so being in my car driving, listening to that game on the radio and the announcer was just completely losing it. It's amazing. So I, what do you think? I, do we learn anything from this game or do we just kind of move on? I, I'm kind of in the latter camp, but want to know what you're thinking about. I am concerned with three point shooting. Um, you know, if, you know, we'll, we'll probably get to this later, but it is a, um, you know, you're, you're trying to win games like this to win the big 10, you know, so that this two year stretch, which, you know, we thought the three year stretch would be the Jaden Ivy. Um, kind of era and it's actually turned into the Zach Eady era right you're kind of hoping you win one Big Ten championship within this Zach Eady window Zach becomes kind of officially I think Painter's best big that he's coached which is wild you want him to um, uh, put together all of these accolades you want as high of a seed you know a one or a two uh, going into March Purdue will probably take one, uh, you know, two, three, four losses, you know, between here and the end of the year, but that's okay. Just win the Big Ten, set up for a top two seed. Um, and so Purdue is well on pace for that. So from that perspective, yeah, sure, it's nothing to worry about. But then if you look ahead as to, okay, assuming we get there, what are the major causes for concern? This like bad three point stretch is like really concerning to me. Um, and there's nothing you can do except like hope for them to go in. Apparently these are good shooters. We all have these expectations. We all know that they're good shooters, but you know, the easy response to that is if they're good shooters, why aren't they shooting good? Like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's I mean, really concerning. Like, so, you know, to, to paraphrase, like you are what your record is. You're, you're as good as your three point shooting. We're far enough in the season where yeah. the most generous thing that we can say is that Purdue is a, is a, is a bouncy. Inconsistent. Yeah. We are, and that's in, and, and, and that has not held the team back from winning 19 out of the first 20 games, but you're, you, I, I, this schedule is, is a little terrifying because they get a little bit of a break until Thursday and then they have another four games in nine days stretch. Nuts. And it's a it's the toughest stretch of the season. It's Michigan. It's at Michigan, home against Michigan State, home against Penn State, and then finishing up on the fourth at IU. And I'm looking at that IU game, and IU has sort of figured some stuff out now. Like that could be an ugly game for Purdue coming off of the I second four, four game and nine game stretch in a month. It's not going to make Purdue fans happy. Chalk it's that up it. as a loss. Like it, yeah. both a schedule and a quality of opponent. You know, at this stage, and also that's IU's championship. Like you know, I it like I don't you know uh, talking nonsense about IU is uh, what I do professionally. But mm. like 
IU cares about nothing more than beating Purdue this year. That's it. I mean, like they're not going to like, this isn't quite a team that can make a run. They don't, they're not going to win the big 10. So they just want to derail Purdue season, which is fair. Us being haters, we would do the exact same thing, but they're going to be up for that. And to your point, Purdue is going to be as gassed as they were today and not right. in Mackey arena. They're going to be in assembly hall. So I would against chalk that the, up as against a team that's pretty talented. And yeah. I started to, has started to sort of figure some stuff out. So I, I'm worried about them maybe dropping two out of the next four games. It, three Not and one. Three and one in that four-game stretch, and you're feeling good. Two and two is oh, probably okay. that line. If they yeah. go three and one, I'm feeling amazing. Yeah, about totally. I mean, 19 and one. 19 and one right now. Which is, not, you know, it's, I mean, we we're here, we're talking about Purdue. So we have to talk about like things that we like and things that we don't like, but at the end of the day, we are, we're, we're, uh, we're fans of a team that's 19 and one and Mohill 93. I'm sorry. Like I can only be who I am. Mohill 93. What's going on here? I came for Dowd. Very, very, I'd be mean, very understandable. I mean, uh, Talk about like an ice pick to the heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like right between the ribs and then just like, mm, turn it up a little bit. Listen, man, not wrong. Uh, you know, uh, Boiler Dad's quick casts are the best Purdue. Co- I mean, like, I think, you know, we're a little bit biased here, but the best Purdue kind of daily or, you know, weekly content that is out here. So like, what are you, what are you doing if you're not watching it? I get I mean, it. Watch I get it for, it. Nothing, for nothing else other than those spectacular glasses. That exactly. Exactly. You can, you know, it's very put right, together. We you can play. punch him right in the nose and the glasses aren't going to do anything. It's fine. We don't look as put together as down. It's true. It's no. true. I haven't had a good cut in months. Um, <laughs> So sorry, Mohill. I apologize for just being who I am and not who you want us to be. So, um, you know, uh, we were talking about concerns. Um, Type Vic one says concern a mid major um, with a dynamic guard and pack line defense. I mean, so again, this is kind of the 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 fear that it's been since. I mean, it's been ten years now, right? It's been ten years since you know the Arkansas Little Rock games the Cincinnati game, uh, you know, the Cincinnati upset, the uh, North Texas, Texas Texas Tech. Well, Texas Tech, I blame on Isaac Haas's elbow, but yeah, Texas Tech. Um, And then last year, St. Peter's. Like these are, you know, it's, you know, five games, five disappointing uh, tournament losses, or at least four and a half is a trend. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, honestly, I'm not scared about. No. And the reason why is... ED would have 30 points before halftime. I mean, typically, yeah, that is that's that's a great way to beat Purdue. But Zach ED has not let himself to, like has not shown any weakness against smaller opponents, and the dude can hit his free throws. So yeah, the other thing that I will say is Purdue's on-ball defense uh, with these like dynamic guards is as good as I've seen since uh, the No Gel Eastern days. So yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I'm a little less the- concerned about that. So let's take a step back here. I know you're the quarterback today, but let's take a step back here and let's yeah. talk about it. Let's talk about Zach and the two freshmen. Um, you know, the the easiest question right now, just to kind of reflect on the season, this is, you know, Braden Smith has been great. Fletcher Lawyer has been great. We're going to talk about them. We're going to gush about them. Is Zach Eady the best big that Matt Painter has ever had? Yeah, um, I, think you know, by, we, I think by a million miles. A million miles. So who's yeah. two? Like two is probably Caleb's 
Caleb Swanigan's sophomore year, right? I mean, like Caleb Swanigan's sophomore year is the standard that you know, every other maybe, maybe not by a million miles, but I will say the thing that Edie has brought that some of the other bigs in the Painter area haven't is he is like steady as she goes. Like mm-hmm. every night, you're getting a double double out of this guy. And you know, even Swanigan had some times where he was he'd struggled to sort of put it together, but but he had fantastic sophomore season. I'm I'm not doubting that, but I'm just saying that Edie is just high level all the time. Have not seen him have a bad game yet, and that is so hard to do. And it's a for me a huge differentiator between you know great players that Painter has had. And all timers, which mm-hmm. he is quickly becoming. I mean, player of the year, right? I mean, and and Swanigan was a first team all in or all um, uh, uh, all NCAA, you know, first team all first team all American. I think Jawan Johnson was also first team, um, and or was, was he second team? Okay, um, I his senior year, I thought he may have been, but anyway, like. And but Biggie, or I mean, um, uh, uh, Edie is going to be, you know, at least, you know, if he doesn't get hurt, if he doesn't, uh, you know, if he keeps performing, even you know, ninety percent, eighty percent of this efficiency, he's going to run away with both Big Ten Player of the Year and National Player of the Year. Um, um, by the way, Juwan Johnson was a consensus first team All American. Yeah, his senior year, he was consensus first team. Um, <clears throat> you know, the VC. Uh, speaking of you know, uh, pack line defenses with, uh, you know, a dynamic guard. Hey, that VCU loss might have Tate John Johnson's memory in our head, but JJ's senior year was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, you've got, um, uh, you know, after, you know, let's honorable mention to Sandy Marchuch. Um, but you know, after him, we got Haas, you've got Harms, you've got, um, AJ. Uh, Tre- Trevion, AJ, Biggie. And it's like, a, like, all of these are excellent. And then um, before, oh my gosh. Um, you can you can divide and, that that set into two groups. They're not all excellent. I, I think they are. I think um, they're in terms of college basketball centers, everybody would like, everybody except the Blue Bloods would love to have, would have loved to have them. You know, even AJ, like I think AJ on pretty much any other team would have been kind of one of their centerpiece pieces, right? Um it was just that team was AJ and surrounded by AJ and Ray Davis and not that many great players around them. Right. Um, and d- to his credit, that's what I often say. Like he's that Mendoza line, right. Of, of Purdue bigs, where if you're, yeah. if you're worse than him, you know, which I think, you know, shout out to Matt Harms, but Matt Harms was like, you're not on that list, but if you're better than him, his what senior year, the big 10 of his senior year is also like it, it was that line. You must be this good. And that stretch saved Matt Painter's job here, right? Like that is the stretch that if they would have continued to tank and it was almost single-handedly AJ Hammonds that turned that around. And so we, we've gone from in what, like less than 10 years that to per, this, a very similar style tweaked around the edges in terms of personnel um, and that personality test personality fit kind of recruited around him around the big an emphasis on three-point shooters and the best big that Matt Painter has ever had. Um, and that's how you get this. Like he's so steady. Caleb Swanigan, you know, would go off sometimes, but also he would have 
games where it was like 30 attempts. A few of them were wild. A few of them were those crazy three-point shots. And it's yeah. like, because he's a super talented work hard dude, but sometimes teams would be able to get in his head. And, you know, um, the, you know, just like he's 20 years old, 21 years old, like yeah. it's totally understandable. You know, they try to win it themselves. Like Zach, just to your point, just has, doesn't have that gear. Like he doesn't Edie, leap. Has he, has Edie taken a bad shot this season? No, no, I don't know. So. Wow. I don't remember any Swanigan who I loved watching play. You could always count on him having two to three, just like, Oh my God, what it's, are you doing? The guard version is boogie, you know, is Carson where it's just like, sure. Carson can take it over, like you can take over the game, but the cost of doing business is a few of those like Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Yeah, that's the tax that you pay is he might dunk on an IU guard in Bloomington and then do the flex after and do the Yeah. That greatest play. I just love that so much. But he might also like decide to shoot himself out of a slump by yeah. jacking up 28 footers. Like that's sort of what, yeah. what you get, you know, it's the cost of doing business, right? It's yeah. tax. It's and the, so, but you don't like, what's the tax? Is, with There's no, that is that, such that, a great question. Like the worst he's never taken a, he hasn't taken a bad shot this year. A few times it's the bad pass. Sure. Like, you know, the end of the Mar this this game, the Maryland game, where you're hoping that he just, you would rather him turn around and do kind of the soft, you know, hook yeah. rather than kick out to, you know, the the skip pass, right? Um, that, He's made that some led. bad passes, but I've not seen him make a dumb pass. Mm -mm. Like he didn't, he hasn't done like the, the tray sort of one-handed, no looking skip pass thing mm -hmm. where you're just like, please take that out of your game. Like no one wants it, to see you do that. You He's know, never Trevion, Trevion Williams is on that list where, you know, above the AJ Hammonds line, right. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, all of these are really, really, really good players. Big yeah. to all being 10 first or second teams. Right. Mm -hmm. And the big 10 is usually one of the best conferences in the league. At the very least, it's one of the, or in the country, one of the most talented in all of the country. And so if you're, a first or second team, you know, all big 10, you are one of those guys. Every one of them had that flaw where it's like, what are you doing? And Zach has been just so good. Um, and the one thing I did want to touch here, if we're done kind of praising uh, Zach, which we're not, we could do this for another 45 minutes, but um, the flip side. So college sports is chaos right now in terms of just unpoliced um, NIL which I have to go on record and saying paying players by any means necessary is better than not paying players like a hundred percent full stop. The fact is the NCAA has completely fallen down um, on the job and they have no mechanism. There are so many ways we have bandied about 40 different ways. Boiler doubt a couple weeks ago had a way to fix this, which is one of them. We could tweak around the edges of that one. We could do, there are a million solutions to this. The NCAA's decision has been to be completely hands-off with this, right. right? So there are no rules. So you get a player committing to Florida that thinks they're getting $13 million and nobody is holding, they're not on the NCAA payroll. So the NCAA doesn't have to work for it or doesn't have to worry about it. And then these rich idiots have uh, backing out on their, you know, these usually millionaires or billionaires uh, boosters back out on their promises. And this 18 year old and their families get screwed. It's just so bad. The flip side of that is that we can legitimately question whether Zach Eady, who will probably be only drafted in the middle of the first or second round um, in the NBA draft, maybe 
would be better off coming back to Purdue if Purdue's NIL collective could make it so that it's a, you know, a similar kind of, you know, between half a million and a million dollars to come back and play. This is the flip side of that. Yeah. Like this is the flip side of that chaos. And so if you're going to complain about it, which I just did, you have to open the possibility to, Hey, the fact that these players can get paid and by any means necessary can make it so that players like Oscar Shigwe and Drew Timmy and now Zach Eady really do entertain coming back for one more year because they're making more money coming back and playing in a style of basketball that's much more conducive to them than the NBA is, right? Um, and so that's the flip side. It's And so do you think that he's coming back? Do you think that we should entertain this or should we yeah. just kiss it goodbye? No, I think we should entertain it. And I think it has as much to do with style play in the NBA as it does the NIL. Like you said, the NIL allows for the money question to be answered in a sufficient mm-hmm. way, right? You're going to get paid. You're going to get a lot of money to, to play basketball one way or the other. So that's fine. I think that he, I don't think that Edie would go undrafted. The second round is a great round in the NBA draft for GMs to like take a, take a risk. And as crazy as it sounds like a seven foot four dude is a bit of a risk sort of like a a slower like non stretch five is a bit of a risk so i think he would absolutely get drafted but then and this is a point that newbert has brought up it's like okay if you don't make that team are you going to be riding the bus in the development league are you going to be like flying all over europe like what is what's the you know there's there are quality of life things that makes playing in college nicer. But again, the other thing I remember being in college and I remember being ready to be done. Yeah, and that was like as a student, you know, a a college student who is also practicing all the time and dealing with all of that sort of stuff on top of being a student might be even more ready to be for sure. And I think Zach probably yeah. falls into that. Like if I, you know, again, none of us know him, but if you were to think about the like you know if i were to reflect on like what it seems like his mentality would be like he may be ready um and for sure he's i I think i mean more than earned it right and so i think and i think that he'll get i think to your point i think he'll get paid i mean it's my understanding that um the reason that jay money isn't on this call today is that he's chartering his jet down to florida to meet with some purdue retirees to put together a fund so the collective um, needs, uh, you know, uh, rich need, need their, uh, you know, yeah. need their retreats too. I think he's uh, been a great injection of cash to the Purdue system. Uh, exactly. He's a bit stingy, but we are starting to work on him a little bit. <laughs> you don't get rich by spending money. That's what he always says. Right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, you know, to your point, he's getting paid either way. And so, Brian Tico says that, you know, he's eligible for NIL because he's Canadian. There are ways to get around that because there are no rules and none of this makes sense. The points don't matter and no, there are no rules. And so it's just um, there will be a way to. Um, but, you know, it, it may be it may be a little strange. Oscar, um, uh, Oscar Shigwe um, is kind of a similar, um, you know, case here. And there are ways to, you know, if Kentucky can get around it, I, I think you know, uh, Purdue can figure out a way I mean, for Zach you, To your point, like the NCAA, and I think I think this extends to the conferences and even some of the schools, but the NCAA is the best. It's great. Of, of leadership not wanting to lead, but wanting to enjoy like the fruits of the success that 
there's an inevitability to the success of college sports for the next like 10 years. You can make every wrong decision for the next 10 and it would take 10 years before things would really start to fall apart. That's how successful college football and college basketball and to a lesser extent the other sports are. So the current leadership has by and large, and this has been going on for years. I'm not saying they've made every decision poorly, but by and large, they have abdicated their responsibility to lead as often as they possibly could get away with it because they don't have to make those tough decisions and they can still reap the rewards of it. Honestly, like the, the, the leadership of the NCAA is completely feckless. I, I, it's hard to argue that they've done they've that they've done much to really engender like confidence in their ability to to lead and every decision they've made has either been has both been with their backs completely against the wall and in the way that gets them out of having to take on additional responsibility such as through health and safety um, um, provisions and NIL being the top two in my mind so. I mean, it's like it. Uh, there are so many ways to solve this problem, and mm-hmm. none of them are just ignore it and close your eyes and keep the gravy train running. Like none of them are. And you're yeah. right; it's got about a ten year window. But then, like ten years from now, is it really that out of um, the realm of possibility for, at the very least, college football to break off? You know, like Super League college football to completely break off of, um, you know, NCAA affiliations like yeah i think it's unrealistic it's i but if there's nothing if there's no leadership at what point does it become a drag right at what point does ohio state uh you know uh, lsu alabama florida all of georgia all of these brands at what point are they more valuable than than their affiliation with the NCAA and is the affiliation with the NCAA just an anchor, right? Like, again, we're talking about basketball here. I'm not sure that the problem with basketball also is that the March Madness is a perfect product. Like it's perfect. Now until they screw with it again, if they, even if they screw with it again, like it and expand it to 70 something schools or whatever, 80 something or 96, like even if they do that, it's still like, Winning you're in, you know, uh, type of like when you move on, losing you go home, upsets galore, a perfect betting and tournament bracket. Like it's a, it's a perfect like drawing eyes sporting event. So like you said, they could in basketball, they can make every decision and they still have the perfect, you know, mix of cocaine that they will know. Like it's they have nothing to worry about. Right. Um, and so that's just. And until they mess every decision that has been made around college sport yeah, has it. been oriented around maximizing revenue. You cannot tell me that they've made any meaningful decision that had anything other than an effect on the bottom line. And so how they're going to screw up the NCAA tournament is that they're going to keep adding and adding and adding more eyeballs, more TVs, more schools, more everything. And eventually you crest yeah. and you've done too much and things fall apart. And, you know, you and I have had this discussion about professional sports leagues and the NBA, but it's my opinion that contraction is never an option. Like, no, you, the line only goes up. Yeah. And at a certain point, it, it goes up until it's destroyed and then something new comes out. I, I should revise my comment about it being unrealistic for these schools to break away. It might it might not be. Be, but it's going to be the conferences and not the schools. That's it. Teams. Yes, totally. So totally. Eventually, you could foresee a super conference being created for the sole purpose 
of creating an entity separate from the NCAA. Exactly. And that's the thing, like, but, you know, bring it back to this without these regulations, we have this type of chaos and with this type of chaos, there is the negative side of it, which is all, you know, like number one in my mind are the failed responsibilities of, you know, commitment, like two commitments um of like you know not you know um uh, yeah like these 13 million dollar pledges and stuff that aren't fulfilled um but on the on the flip side of it it is the fact that zaki drew timmy uh oscar shigwe um can all return kofi coburn last year can all feasibly return because their style like the style of college basketball is far different than the style of the nba and there are players particularly bigs whose style meshes a lot better with, um, you know, with college sports. The I, I second question, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say that the, the, that has, that in and of itself has shown um, that NIL benefits. It's not just benefiting the school, but it's greatly benefiting the players, not just in the sense of, oh, they're getting money, which is a benefit. But look at someone like Ch- Trace Jackson Davis, who is um, dominant at the college level. Right, but is might struggle a little bit and the pros because well, I don't know what his pro career is going to look like. Yeah, but he's he doesn't have to take that bet on himself and leave after his junior year because you know it's either then or never. He can Mm -hmm. come back and he can make a bunch of money and he can sort of hedge against what might be a challenging start to his NBA career. You know, this also affects the NBA in interesting ways, not to derail us too much, but just as a quick comment, um, there is a little bit uh, in in the NBA draft world. The draft has always been like this, but it's become more like this, I think, in the last 10, 15 years, which is um, youth and potential is greater than age and aging experience right like in other words like an unknown ceiling is is more enticing than like than a known ceiling but with nil you're going to see guys who are going to fill out that 13 to 26 draft spot who might stick around for like an extra year might be a little bit older might are still going to be great draft picks and so I I wonder how you see how you're going to see this affect the conventional wisdom within the NBA. I really do think it wasn't necessarily production versus not because there were very productive wings and guards that got drafted really high. Mm. It was because of style of play, right? The the production issue often happens around players like Caleb Swanigan, who still got drafted in the first round, by the way, even though mm. that was probably a mis- like you know all respect to him, but the style of play was a concern in the NBA. Uh, Trevion Williams, Zach Eady, you know, back, you know, back in, um, uh, you know, when he got drafted, Hammonds, like all of these players, you know, Haas were productive in college, but their style of play doesn't fit. And so, like you said, with all of this progression, it's that style, rather than the, kind of production being um, kind of in college production, but yeah. then drafting on potential, it's going to, um, you know, much more be focused around like style of play. And on the other side of this is like, you see a player like Shaden Sharp who didn't need to play in college and is now tearing up the NBA. You know I mean? Like he's, mm-hmm. he's doing really, really well. Um, he 
I think he was committed somewhere. Um, and there was some kind of strange, like weird commitment issue or injury issue or something like that. He ended yeah. up not playing. And now he's a perfect fit, like stylistically for the NBA. Um, and so it's like, you're going to see this be a lot more um, divergent on style of play rather than production. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, let's go to the other two who we have to talk about um, before we wrap up here. Um, man, wherever you want to start between Purdue's freshman backcourt, but like uh, Braden Smith has been wonderful. Fletcher Lawyer yeah. has been like a revelation. Braden Smith to me, um, I don't know why the surprise is less, but it was like all off season. And we were talking about this kind of behind the scenes, all four of us, all five of us, like the, the talk behind the scenes about Braden Smith was like, like they stole something, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Matt Painter almost felt bad because they were like, how did nobody else see this? Like, you know, yeah. so we all came into, and they didn't really recruit a guard after they lost. What's his name that went down to Miami. EGL. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, you're talking about um, Peck. Yeah. Peck, Nigel Peck. Um, they didn't re really recruit hard. They ended up with Jenkins. That's really good again, but he's clearly an off the bench guy and the communication always after Nigel Peck, um, you know, uh, slipped from Purdue's grasp was it's Braden Smith's job. And so Braden has lived up to everything that, you know, the, the off season hype was. And I yeah. think me leaning towards his other backcourt teammate is because I don't think Braden, and this is, this is to his credit is that with as good as Braden Smith has played this year, yeah. I don't think he is anywhere close to as good as he's going to be. Like, oh, really? You think his ceiling is higher? I think he is so far away from what he could potentially be. I think the problem with the, the early leaving for the NBA discussions is that he is like 5'10". Oh, like, come on. Don't make me don't make me say what you know I'm going to say. He's deceptively athletic. Um, yeah, you well, know. I'm, what I'm going to say is I think Braden Smith is a fantastic player for Purdue and I think by the time he leaves Purdue we're going to be talking about him oh, yeah. in some pretty rarefied air uh, yeah, absolutely. I, but I but I, I will say I, I'll put it this way I don't think um, a player playing or not playing in the NBA is an indicator of of their of success a hundred percent one million percent so I think that I so it happened today today is when I fully embraced this but I saw lawyer do like a little curl jumper inside the three-point line <sighs> nothing but net and i thought to myself like all right like i'm in on the on the lawyer oh my God. comparisons i like, am in on it it's I, nuts i i have a like this this ball is signed by my the entire class of that uh, 2011 they are my class i was a senior in 2011 i came in with the baby boilers Etwan Moore is my favorite player because of that. Because I, Mine I think too. what in that that class he only came off the bench for like four games or something like that, and then he yeah, was a start a four year starter for Painter. And young Painter didn't do that. Young Painter yeah. didn't like to do that. And the baby boilers, at the very least, Robbie and Etwan made him do that. Right. Yeah. The but only comparison there are two comparisons in terms of instant production. For Fletcher Lawyer, and we can go back to Braden Smith because he's been amazing and he deserves yeah, a little we'll, more time. We'll, we'll, we'll get his time. But like the two comparisons, the only two two guards in Painter's career, like Painter's Purdue uh, history that can match up in this conversation 
for kind of freshman impact are Carson Edwards and Etwan Moore. And what are we talking? What? <laughs> like- well, okay. I, I do think I I think that we have to draw some lines there too, because Edwards was always like he his position was always one and a half, right? Yeah. Like he was and- he, he he was a ball dominant, but neither Smooge nor Lawyer are are ball dominant. I they think they are a perfect comparison. But I think like and and we're not allowed to make this though. It's the cross race comparison. We're not allowed to make this. We're breaking so many rules. Well, but I like, was so hesitant to do so because, like you, he's Smooch, perfect. My favorite <sighs> Purdue basketball player of all time. Like I would be giddy if I ever had the chance to meet him because mm. he is. He's just been. I just loved watching him play. And there are some things that Etwan can do that I'm not sure a lawyer can do yet uh but at the same time like i i when i saw that shot i was like i i can't deny it <laughs> no. i mean this is he's the guy he's already so much more confident as a ball handler yeah. than each one ever was you know um each one was good off the dribble but in yeah. open court a full court press could still slow him down he also yeah. was a lot more robotic like I think, um, you know, everybody, you know, Painter has the mile challenge at the, you know, at the beginning mm-hmm. of every kind of summer yeah, offseason, yeah. you know, uh, where Zach Eady runs like a five fifty mile or some nonsense. Yeah, you you've got to what I think it is. You've got to break the six minute. Um, and Rob, I think was Hummel was the one that always made the joke that the the last person kind of like just making it was Etoan Moore. Like again, he's not, you know, he's not this athletic Marvel, but his shot was so smooth. He was so consistent. He never, he was instant impact. He never got flustered. And while lawyer doesn't quite have that, like an un- un- inability to be flustered yet, he yeah. is a better ball handler. Yeah. Like he is the uh, today aside, he is the one that helps Braden break presses better than I think anybody that I've seen in Purdue in kind of recent memory. It's like, and I wasn't expecting this from him because all of the offseason talk was about Braden Smith justifiably. But then Fletcher lawyer comes out and I'm like, how am I supposed to watch this and not compare him to Etuan Moore? It's nuts. You know, I mean, he hits a a game winner a couple games ago. Right. And, and the thing about that, I loved about that shot is like, he, wanted it so bad you could tell from his body language that he was he was taking that shot like that was the give me the damn ball that was like that was a uh yeah that was that was impressive now and we then his, to go back to smith for a second though. well and then just really quickly on lawyer mm-hmm. even that pat the execution of the dribble mm-hmm. like the last the game winner against michigan state the dribble handoff the pin down like coming off the pin down dribble handoff to um, you know, from Braden Smith, Braden cuts to the corner and you get a nice pass to Edie yeah. where either, you know, either helps off and um, lawyer has the shot, yeah. the corner helps and you get it to Braden for the corner three or the entry from there or exactly what happened. You place it perfectly and time it perfectly just in Edie's cradle and all of a sudden it's barbecue chicken time. Yeah. Like the ability yeah. to do that almost instinctually is like just so impressive. So it's just, I mean, lawyer has been incredible. Braden Smith. Now I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, lawyer probably has a more steady um, uh, trajectory and also probably because of his height, because of his size, he can, he's going to put on some muscle, like lawyer's going to put on 
you know, he's going to fill out a little bit. Um, so he he maybe end up being a better NBA prospect. Each one more Duncan Robinson, like those kind of players are probably good, um, you know, comparables. Duncan Robinson, shout out to him, by the way, riding one season to get a hundred million dollar contract. Shout out to him. Not even like a full season. It was really like his, it was really like the last 30 games playoff included. You know, I, I, I'm going like, to stay away from NBA talk. But, but Braden, I, but Braden, I like to that. I think Braden's trajectory as a college basketball um, like production is off the charts. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think he is such like he has, he's such a smart player and he has such dumb moments, which tell me that, Oh my God, when he gets it, it's going to be an issue. You know what though? But even his dumb moments, I've never seen him do anything like super egregious. It's more been like, Ooh, you won't make that pass next year. Or, yeah. or or a thing where it's like, hey, man, if you get within eight feet of the basket, we're going to need you to shoot it. Like, oh. just unless Evie is just like wide, wide open and there's a clear passing lane, take it to the take it to the rim. And, a, and, and a couple of these times he did in he broke. I mean, again, he uh, we're talking about lawyer filling out. Braden yeah. Smith is already a Big Ten sized player. Right. Yeah. Um he had a couple of those where he's easily able to get to the rim, even when he's fatigued today. And every one of them just should have been an easy lob. And a couple of them, he did that thing where he tried to pass it behind him. He tried to get a little cute and he's almost, and you're right. He's almost too willing to be the distributor that like, man, you're right there. You're right. Or like, there, man, just, just throw it up. Their only option is to foul you. So, and- and you're a, a fantastic pro shooter, so just do that. And that's the thing that comes with like experience in adjusting to the game. Now, the, when in the off season in the summer, we heard a lot about Braden Smith leading the team in rebounds during um, during the scrimmages, and I took that more as an indictment of Purdue's bigs rather than because it's like your guards should never do that. And yeah. we've got height. Why are these guys not doing this? And and I and, he, and it has shown me, actually being able to watch him play in a college setting, that oh that wasn't this wasn't no. this was a guy who who just goes after it who just really athletic had a great article about him, a couple of days ago. This is a guy who's really just going to do his best, and 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 it's been really great watching him play. And you don't expect a freshman to settle a team. But that's what he's been. I keep waiting for the two of them to hit a wall because I all of them hit a wall. Yeah, and they both had sort of like a couple little off games in December, late December, like one, like. But we're talking like one or two games in a row. And honestly, and I'm hoping that it's pump. it's not the I, wall. It might be the wall. That might have been I, the wall. I hope it's this next four game stretch because, like you said, it times out perfectly where they can still learn. There's still plenty of time to learn from it. You know, it's if you go two and two, even one and three in this stretch, it's not the end of the world. Purdue started eight, 19 and one. They're yeah. just hoping for a top two seed. You're hoping to win the Big Ten. There is that much of a gap. It's fine. But like, and yeah. then kind of rebound, you know, after that. But like, man, it's it's just been so impressive to see both of them. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun watching this uh, watching this team play. It's been a good couple of years, and I'm grateful for that. 
I think, um, oh. I mean, Brian T was talking about this. They haven't had bad back-to-back games, right? And that's the biggest thing. Like, that's the wall. Like, they'll have bad games here or there, um, bad stretches here or there. Exactly. But it's, it's, it's uh, you know, bad on their scale. It's yeah. still, they're still kind of starting caliber. And probably both of them are all Big Ten, you know, first, second, um, you know, first or second team kind of level players, which is wild. As freshmen, it's going to be a problem. The Big Ten is going to hate them so much by the oh, yeah. time, you know, their imagine, senior years or junior years. Imagine Smith on IU or something. How oh, much would man. you hate that guy? He's, uh, gee, it'd be so bad. They don't even know him yet. Oh, they're going to hate him. I love They're it. Gonna I can't wait. Him. I'm going to love every second of it. So as we as we wrap, any last thoughts on this team? What it, like? What are your like? We're getting into that February time period where attention turns to March here pretty soon. Prognosis. I want to see. I want to win the Big Ten. I really want the National Player of the Year for Zach. Like he deserves it. Those are the goals immediately. And it, like in you know, those are the macro goals. The micro goals. Like I just really want the three point shooting. Like especially off the bench. Like I'm not concerned with the freshmen, right? I'm concerned with the off the bench. You know the you know um, uh, spots five, six, and seven shooting. And so you need them. You know, you, uh, you need the three-point shooting there to uh, to take up for Purdue to be a real threat, um, you know, in March. Because Zach, again, you know, we we laugh because, uh, you know, Shaq always had this thing where bigs should always get 28 and 15, which is an insane thing for Shaq to say because he's Shaq and he doesn't realize he's Shaq. But <laughs> right. then... Right, I think like, it, a, like, a, like a German Shepherd that doesn't realize it's not a lap dog. Anyway. Every time, like they call, they started calling Zach Eady Shaq Eady because he these those are the things that he's going to deliver, good, bad, or indifferent. And so I think in the tournament you can probably expect something like that, you know, twenty and ten at least. But the the that difference, you know, in the tournament, which is where all of this is headed. I know we all want Zach to win Player of the Year. We know we all want the Big Ten title. But it's that March run, and the difference is whether everybody around Zach can, you know, shoot can make those open looks, make those open three point looks to make this team ceiling a little bit higher. So, mm-hmm. like that's my biggest that's my biggest kind of micro worry in the next stretch. Imagine this team getting hot in March. We've won. We've won every other month. We've won the national title for uh, November. We've won the December national a couple times. You know, the last two years oh, we were November December. champs. Tough in December. Purdue just won the December championship. Yeah. Matt Painter is known to win multiple January and February championships, and so mm. we're just waiting for the next two months. Let's go. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think that I think stay healthy, number one seed, win the Big Ten, ED, National Player of the Year. All those things are reasonable. They just have to execute. And we'll find out with this team. Uh, we'll 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 learn, I'm sure we'll learn some stuff over the next four games. So, all right. Well, thanks everyone for joining. I love you guys. Good night. I suppose. I love you too, guys. Good night. Good evening. Good evening.